The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 55 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two comedy episodes of Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. We'll begin after this short break. In January 1948, CBS developed the then-titled radio comedy series Our Miss Booth with stage actress Shirley Booth, later TV's Hazel, recording an audition pilot. When Booth decided to leave the project, the lead role in Meet Miss Brooks, now retitled, was open again. Executives offered the role to Lucille Ball, but she had to pass because she was under contract as star of the radio series My Favorite Husband. Wanting to help, Ball suggested Eve Arden for the role, which led to an audition. CBS signed Arden as star in what was eventually retitled Our Miss Brooks, a situation comedy that would span nine years on radio and four years on television. The series centered on Connie Brooks, a smart, sharp-witted, lovable English teacher at Madison High School. Between gentle wisecracks, Miss Brooks doted on nerdish student Walter Denton, played by Richard Crenna, and frequently locked horns with crusty, cranky Principal Osgood Conklin, played by Gail Gordon. Many plot lines revolved around Miss Brooks's longing for Philip Boynton, played by Jeff Chandler and later Robert Rockwell on TV, the school's bashful biology teacher. The rest, as they say, is history. Ironically, it would be Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz's company, Desi Lou that would later become the production company for the Our Miss Brooks TV series. Time now for the first of two comedy episodes of Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. In this first episode, there's a case of puppy love between Connie's landlord, Mrs. Davis, and Horace Barlow, the new school janitor. Here's Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden from February 4th, 1951. Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay and Palmolive Shave Creams for a smoother, more comfortable way to shave bring you Our Miss Brooks, transcribed and starring Eve Arden. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks under the direction of Al Lewis. Well, like most school teachers, Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School has been exposed to her share of puppy love. I'll say I have. It's getting so I can't look a puppy in the face without flinching. <laughs> but the kids at school are nothing compared to the case I discovered at home between my landlady, Mrs. Davis, and Horace Barlow, the school's new Janet, a basement custodian. <laughs> Although she met him a week ago at a school tea... 
Up until Thursday morning at breakfast, she kept denying anything but a passing interest in him. Please, Connie, just because Horace Barlow has been over a few times is no reason for people to jump to conclusions. My goodness, Horace isn't jumping to conclusions. At his age, Horace is lucky if he can limp to conclusions. <laughs> but I've seen you two together, Mrs. Davis. As and... far as I'm concerned, I think of Horace as just a real nice boy. And he is, too. A real nice 68-year-old boy. <laughs> he happens to be 54, Connie. He told me so himself. I know, Mrs. Davis, and Jack Benny is 39. <laughs> Not that I'm criticizing your friendship. Far from it. I'm delighted that Horace is so genuinely fond of you. Oh, Connie, Horace doesn't even know I'm alive. Well, don't let that worry you. It's hard to tell about him most of the time. <laughs> Anyway, I'm simply not interested in anything but the most casual relationship. Heavens, if I were thinking seriously, I'd try to find out something about the man, wouldn't I? Haven't you? Definitely not. I'm not even mildly curious. I haven't the slightest idea where he keeps his $10,000 life insurance policy. <laughs> and I have no knowledge whatsoever of how he got his leg wounded in the Mexican War, for which he gets a $53 a month pension. <laughs> Why, I don't even know in what bank he keeps his $2,619 savings account. Shame on you. You haven't even got his social security number. S-498-265. <laughs> Oh, that's Walter Denton. He's driving me to school. Be right there, Walter. Now, is there anything you want me to say to Mr. Barlow for you if I happen to see him at school? Not a thing, Connie. Okay. There's no necessity of even mentioning to him that I'm not busy tonight. I see. And there's no need for any remarks about the cake I'm baking today being too big for one person to finish alone. I'll be as silent as the tomb. And above all, it would be utterly shameless if you were to hear that I don't want to waste the box of cigars I bought yesterday. <laughs> you can trust me implicitly, Mrs. Davis. I won't say a word to Mr. Barlow. I'll just hit him on the head and drag him home. <laughs> I'm glad you picked me up early this morning, Walter. I've got an errand to do for Mrs. Davis before my first class. I'll get you there with the speed of a gazelle, Miss Brooks. <laughs> oh, by the way, how's Mrs. Davis's romance with Mr. Barlow coming along? Oh, have you noticed that, too? I think it's the cutest thing in the world. Mrs. Davis actually has a bad case of puppy love. It is cute, considering she's in her second puppyhood. <laughs> No disrespect intended, you understand. After all, what could be more romantic than two lonely old people encountering the grand passion in the sear and yellow leaf of life? Why, oh, that's absolutely poetic, Walter. The burning desires of youth long past, they look now for the subdued glow of companionship, the warm and simple pleasures that two elderly people in love can share together. I can see them now, soaking their feet in the same pan of Epsom salt. I'll bet you'd like to find romance at that age, Miss Brooks. At the rate I'm going now, I'm counting on it. 
But, Walter, I'd just as soon you don't mention the subject at school. It might be a source of embarrassment to Mr. Barlow. My trap is sealed, Miss Brooks. Now, what's the errand you're going to do for Mrs. Davis this morning? Well, off the record, I'm going to invite Mr. Barlow over to the house tonight. He's been a little backward about asking for a date. I get it. You're Mrs. Davis's John Alden. Now all you got to do is get Mr. Barlow to invite Mr. Boynton over for you, and you're all set. <laughs> Meeting's adjourned. Hi, Miss Brooks. You're pretty early today, aren't you? Hello, Harriet. I've got to deliver a message to the custodian. Have you seen him? Oh, yes. Mr. Barlow just went into his office. Isn't it wonderful, Miss Brooks? I don't know. I've never been in his office. <laughs> I mean about Mr. Barlow and Mrs. Davis. They're crazy about each other. Of course, it's a big secret. Couldn't be a bigger secret if they took out an ad. <laughs> Is there anything more romantic than the mellow romance of old age? Now, please, Harriet. To think of two people finding love at a time of life when others are preparing to pass on. <laughs> Two people walking hand in hand in the twilight of life. Yes, there's nothing like a brisk walk before passing on. <laughs> well, I won't keep you any longer. Far be it from me to delay Mrs. Davis's emissary of love. Good luck in your mission, John Alden. Thank you, Priscilla. <laughs> <laughs> Come in. I hope I'm not disturbing you, Mr. Barlow, but there's something I wanted to ask you. Well, then go ahead and ask. <laughs> if you want to get apples, you gotta shake the tree. <laughs> now, what is it? It's just this. I was wondering if tonight, that is, if you haven't any other plans, Mrs. Davis isn't doing anything, and I'm sure she'd be pleased if you wanted to drop over. Well, that's right, neighborly. Would uh, you like me to drop over? Of course. I'm sure you and Mrs. Davis will have a lovely evening together. Are you planning on staying in, Miss Brooks? I suppose so, Mr. Barlow, but I'm sure that at your age you don't need any chaperone. You're right about that. Maybe we could send Mrs. Davis to a movie. <laughs> send Mrs. Davis to a movie? Sure. Oh, Oh, there's no sense in my trying to hide it any longer. Why, the only reason I've been coming around Mrs. Davis's place is to be near you. Near me? But you, you've been making dates with Mrs. Davis. Well, naturally. You gotta slip the drones a little, honey, if you want to get next to the queen bee. <laughs> you, Mr. Barlow, are barking up the wrong hive. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I... I simply can't believe it's even happening. I couldn't believe it myself. I just couldn't understand the feeling that swept over me when I first saw you, Miss Brooks. In fact, since that time, I've had my glasses changed twice. <laughs> but it's still the same. I keep asking myself, where have you been all my life? <laughs> For three quarters of it, I wasn't even born. <laughs> Look, Mr. Barlow, there's a, there's a great difference in our ages. Oh, nonsense, Miss Brooks. I just don't believe in age. 
Well, neither do I. I've been standing it off for years. <laughs> I mean, if you'll think this over for a while, you'll realize that it just couldn't work out. Why not? Is there somebody else playing the piano in your front parlor? <laughs> no, but Mr. Boynton plays the ukulele on my back porch. <laughs> We've been going together for quite a while now. You mean that biology fella? Oh, shucks, he's just an unsophisticated kid. Why, you couldn't warm him up if you stuck a Bunsen burner under him. <laughs> You've been peeking. <laughs> that is, Mr. Boynton's just shy about expressing his feelings. He ain't got no feelings, if you ask me. Leastwise, not like I have, especially since I met you. Why, I just knew today was going to bring some excitement into my life. I got the strangest sensation right after breakfast. Maybe something fell into your gruel. <laughs> There's no two ways about it, sis. I'm smitten. <laughs> well, would it unsmit you if I told you that I was engaged to Mr. Boynton? Engaged? Oh, but he wasn't even over to your place the nights I visited Mrs. Davis. He must have been working. If you come over tonight, I'm sure he'll be there. Well, seeing is believing. Well, I'll drop by, Miss Brooks, but I still say when it comes to your bringing me messages from Mrs. Davis, speak for yourself, John Alden. There's no use talking. These man-tailored suits have got to go. <laughs> Colgate Dental Cream cleans your breath while it cleans your teeth. And the Colgate way stops tooth decay best. Yes, the Colgate way is the most thoroughly proved and accepted home method of oral hygiene known today. Over two years' research showed brushing teeth right after eating with Colgate Dental Cream helped stop more decay for more people than ever before reported in dentifrice history. The Colgate way stopped tooth decay best. No other dentifrice, ammoniated or not, offers such conclusive proof. And you should know that Colgate's, while not mentioned by name, was the only toothpaste used in the research on tooth decay recently reported in Reader's Digest. So always follow the Colgate way to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and stop tooth decay best. Brush your teeth with Colgate's Colgate Dental Cream. It cleans your breath. What a toothpaste. What a cleans your teeth. And the Colgate way stops tooth decay best. Well, I was quite chagrined to find out that Horace Barlow was more interested in me than he was in Mrs. Davis. This was one triangle I was determined would not be eternal, not even overnight. Therefore, at lunchtime, I headed for Mr. Boynton's table in the cafeteria. But just as I got halfway to it... <coughs> oh, Mr. Conklin, I'm terribly sorry, sir. You're slipping, Miss Brooks. <laughs> You only knocked two dishes off my lunch tray today. I guess I didn't watch where I was going. Obviously. When you do, you get the whole tray. <laughs> well, luckily, nothing happened to your apple pie. The plate is broken, but the pie is intact. Here. Thank you. 
Even more luckily, nothing seems to have gotten on my clothes. No, sir. I've never seen you look so neat. White carnation and all. I spoke too soon. That's vanilla ice cream. (laughs) This never would have happened, sir, but I'm terribly preoccupied today. This must be preoccupied day at Madison High. I've had nothing but trouble with our new school custodian for the same reason. You mean Mr. Barlow? Yes, yes. He forgets about the furnace. He forgets to fix the pipes. The old goat acts as if he was in love. Maybe he is in love. Mr. Barlow? But who could a 70-year-old codger be in love with? He happens to be 54. Uh, Yes, and Jack Benny is 39. (laughs) Horace Barlow in love. (laughs) At his age, he probably can't tell the difference between a woman and a kangaroo. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Well, if you'll excuse me, I'll be hopping off to lunch. (laughs) No doubt I'll run into you later in the day, Mr. Conklin. It is with that thought in mind that I carry every possible form of accident and hospitalization insurance. Good day, Miss Brooks. Good day, Mr. Conklin. He's got a lot of nerve. Just because a person's lived a few more years than some other person. I don't like to interrupt, Miss Brooks, but if you keep talking to yourself, you'll make an eavesdropper out of me. Oh, I'm sorry, Walter. I've had a little shock this morning. You see, I spoke to Horace Barlow a short time ago about making a date with Mrs. Davis. What'd he say? He says he's not interested in Mrs. Davis. He's smitten with somebody else. Somebody else? But he can't do that to Mrs. Davis. Oh, she's a very sensitive little lady, and she's nuts about him. She'll be terribly hurt. That's what I'm afraid of. He doesn't know when he's well off. I'd like to see the hunk of crow bait he's fallen for. (laughs) Now, just a minute, Walter. It so happens that Mr. Barlow thinks he's in love with me. With you? But that's illegal. (laughs) It's unthinkable. It's a... Let's just call it unusual. (laughs) Actually, Walter, I'm extremely worried about the situation. Mrs. Davis and I have been friends for too long to let a thing like this come between us. Why don't you just tell old Barlow to go peddle his papers? I did, practically. I even told him I was engaged to Mr. Boynton. That's what I'm worried about. They're both coming over tonight, and I've got to prove it. Oh, what's so tough about that? I'm sure Mr. Boynton will cooperate. You are? Sure. For one night... Oh. <laughs> now, the next thing you gotta do is get Mrs. Davis out of the house tonight. Because if she caught you and Mr. Boynton acting as if you were engaged, she'd know something was rotten in Denmark. <laughs> what a sweet way to put it. But, Walter, how do I get Mrs. Davis out of the house? Well, easy. There's an old bachelor friend of my dad staying at the house for a couple of days, uh, Mr. Gordon. I'm sure he'd like a date with a nice, clean-cut character like Mrs. Davis. And I'll ask her to go out with him as a favor to my folks. What about Mr. Barlow? She expects him tonight. Well, just tell her he couldn't make it. Say his blood pressure hit a new high or something. <laughs> now, you go find Mr. Boynton, and I'll call home and make sure Mr. Gordon's available to act as Davis bait for the evening. <laughs> See you later, Miss Brooks. All right, Walter, and thanks. Me and the night and the music. Da, 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 da. Oh, Mr. Boynton. I've got to talk to you right away. What's wrong, Miss Brooks? It's about Mrs. Davis. You know, she's got a crush on the school custodian, Mr. Barlow. But unfortunately, he's head over heels in love with somebody else. 
<laughs> Please, Miss Brooks, don't, don't make me laugh while I'm drinking coffee. Mr. Barlow's an old man. What kind of a shriveled-up prune could he fall for? <laughs> Why does it have to be a prune? For all you know, Mr. Barlow could be crazy about a nice, young, firm, fuzzy peach. <laughs> Besides, he's only 48. Why, he's 70 at least. And not what you'd call in prime condition. Why, his hyperthyroidism is apparent, and his incipient arteriosclerosis masking cardiac decompensation was evident to me after one glance. It's a good thing you didn't take a second glance. He'd be a goner. <laughs> the truth is, Mr. Boynton, that Mr. Barlow's been coming to our place just so he could be near me. <laughs> if I'd known you were going to get so excited, I'd have worn my raincoat. <laughs> Here, use this napkin. Uh, I'm sorry, Miss Brooks, but I, I couldn't help exploding. Do you mean to tell me Mr. Barlow is in love with you? That's right. We hyperthyroids have to stick together. <laughs> Look, Mr. Boynton, I know it's an absurd situation, but my only real concern is Mrs. Davis. I've got to discourage Mr. Barlow once and for all, and, you, and you've got to help me. Well, me? Well, what can I do? Well, he's coming over to our place tonight. I invited him this morning on behalf of Mrs. Davis. That's when he told me how he felt about me, and that's when I told him something utterly fantastic. What did you tell him? That you and I were engaged to be married. Here's the napkin. <laughs> engaged to be married? But, Miss Brooks, that, that's utterly fantastic. I'm glad I said it first. <laughs> Don't you see, Mr. Boynton, this is very important to someone who's very important to me. Mrs. Davis is just about the best friend I've got. Well, if that's the case, Miss Brooks, I guess the least I can do is cooperate. Will you really, Mr. Boynton? Sure. For one night. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm full. That was a very fine dinner, Miss Brooks. I'm glad you liked it, Mr. Boynton. I opened it all by myself. <laughs> I hope Mr. Gordon took Mrs. Davis to a nice place for dinner. He appears to be a jolly old fellow, doesn't he? Oh, yes, indeed. And I noticed he gave you a pretty thorough once-over when he was introduced. You seem to pack quite a wallop for these elderly Joes. <laughs> That's me, the Cleopatra of the cardiac case. <laughs> but I'd better clear away these dishes. Mr. Barlow will be over any minute. Oh, if that's the case, shouldn't we be getting into the mood? The mood? Well, yes, we're supposed to be engaged, aren't we? Oh, that mood. <laughs> I'm Mr. Boynton. I can hardly believe my ears. Why? There's no sense making a chore out of this thing. We might as well have some fun doing it. <laughs> fun doing it? Well, certainly. Now, now, let's get started. Get started? Well, the quicker the better. Quicker the better? Of course. Come on. Come on. I mean, come on. Well, sure. You wash and I'll dry. <laughs> so much for the hopes of Connie Brooks, girl dreamer. Look, Mr. Boynton, working in the kitchen is the way married people would get into the mood. Engaged couples do their work in the parlor with soft light. Okay, we'll take a big basin of water and do the dishes in the parlor. 
Sometimes I wish you were ugly. <laughs> Come on, Mr. Boynton, I'll attend to the dishes later. Let's sit down in the living room, hmm? All right, Miss Brooks, it, it isn't too healthy to commence working right after a meal anyway. That must be Mr. Barlow. Just make yourself comfortable, I'll let him in. Well, here I am, Brooksy. Fit as a fiddle and twice as musical. Come in, Mr. Barlow. <laughs> I fixed a little dinner for my fiancé this evening. We've just finished eating it. Follow me, won't you? Your fiancé? Oh, then you mean you actually... Hello, darling. Did you miss me? Miss you? I hated to leave you alone for so many seconds, but... I just had to let Mr. Barlow in. You remember Mr. Barlow, don't you, dear? Oh, of course. How are you, Mr. Barlow? Snappies are cooking and twice as full of ginger. <laughs> but let's get to the point. Miss Brooks here told me that you two are engaged. Is that true? Well, yes. Yes, it is. Well, then how come nobody around school's heard anything about it? Because we wanted it that way. We've been secretly engaged for over six months now, haven't we, darling? We certainly have, Miss Brooks. <laughs> Miss Brooks Why does he call you Miss Brooks if you're going to be married? He doesn't like any display of affection in front of company Let's sit down, shall we? Mr. Barlow, draw up a chair, won't you? And sweetheart, you draw up a chair and we'll sit down We? But Miss Brooks, I worked out with the basketball team yesterday And my knees are a little weak It may be a foul, but I'll never get a shot like this again Sit down, dear. There we are. Comfy? Uh, yeah. Hmm. Seems mighty strange to me. Most engaged folks I've seen act a little more demonstrative than you do. But we're mad for each other, aren't we, darling? Yeah, mad. <laughs> you know, dearest, you, you haven't kissed me in five minutes. What? I said you haven't kissed me in five minutes. What are we going to do about that? Let's wait another five, huh? <laughs> What's the matter, darling? You want to kiss me, don't you? Uh, maybe it's me, Miss Brooks. No, I'm positive he doesn't want to kiss you. <laughs> oh, you mean he doesn't want to kiss me in your presence? I'm sure that wouldn't stop my great, big, handsome lover boy, would it, dearest? Certainly not. Give me your cheek. There. Wow. <laughs> now, how about one to get me down off the ceiling? Uh, maybe I ought to go. But why, Mr. Barlow? You just got here. I know, but won't I be interrupting something? Only if you go. I mean, stick around a little while longer. I'll see who it is. Don't move, either of you. Sorry I had to disturb you, Connie, but I forgot my key again. Mrs. Davis, what are you doing home so early? Here, let me help you off with your coat and eyeglasses. Mr. Gordon showed me the most wonderful time, Connie. But he has a business appointment first thing in the morning, so we had to cut our date a bit short. Oh, uh, who's that in the living room? That's Mr. Boynton. Oh, I see. And who's the man in the other chair? That's Mr. Boynton, too. He's awfully restless tonight. <laughs> Oh, now I see who that is. It's Mr. Barlow. But you told me he wasn't coming over tonight. He must have changed his mind. Listen, Mrs. Davis, when two people have a beautiful friendship, they've got to do everything in their power to keep it from breaking up, right? Mm. Let's talk later, dear. I've got to get these shoes off at once. Mr. Gordon just danced my tootsies into a stupor. 
He's a wonderful man, Connie. Uh, that's why I want you to do me a little favor. A favor? Yes, when you go back into the living room. What do you want me to do, Mrs. Davis? Brush off that other old creep for me, will you? <laughs> you mean Mr. Barlow? Yes, I haven't the heart to hurt his feelings. Well, it'll save a lot of explanations, I guess, but I know I'm going to get two birds with one stone. What do you mean, Connie? As soon as the old duck is gone, my little lovebird will take off like a wounded pelican. <laughs> returns in just a moment, but first... The Case of the Close Scrape, featuring John W. Baker, Justice of the Peace. Here's what Mr. Baker told us. Listen. Here's exactly what happened. Shaving was just one close scrape after another for me, and then I discovered palm olive lather shave cream and a new different way to shave. Palm olive's oceans of rich, thick lather ended my worries about scrapes, burns, and nicks. Why, even in cold or hard water, that palm olive lather way is super smooth, Super comfortable. Take John W. Baker's advice, men. The new palm olive lather way gets beards really soft. And it provides a protective film that actually floats your razor's cutting edge. You get a clean, close shave every time without worry about scraping or nicking. Even in cold or hard water. John W. Baker and 1,200 other men tested palm olive lather cream following package directions. And three out of four reported smoother, more comfortable shaves the Palmolive Shave Cream way, no matter how they shaved before. Better yet, Palmolive Lather Shave Cream. Remember, even in cold or hard water, the Palmolive Lather way means smoother, more comfortable shaves. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, I told Mr. Barlow that Mrs. Davis had returned home with a bad headache, and he left the house after threatening to call her up very soon. Then, as I was about to barricade the door against Mr. Boynton's next move, he addressed me. Well, I'm sorry Mrs. Davis doesn't feel well, Miss Brooks. Is she lying down in her room? Yes, she is, Mr. Boynton. Well, that leaves just the two of us, doesn't it? Yes, but don't be nervous. It's much too early for you to think of leaving. Oh, I'm not thinking of leaving, Miss Brooks. You and I still have plenty of unfinished business to attend to. Unfinished business? Oh, certainly. You and I? That's right. After all, somebody's got to do those dinner dishes. Suppose you wash and I'll dry. <laughs> Better yet, you wash and dry. I've got another engagement. Oh, another engagement? Sure. If I hurry, I can catch Mr. Barlow before he gets on the bus. <laughs> This is Vern Smith reminding you to tune in next week to another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Palmolive Shave Creams for a smoother, more comfortable way to shave and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written by Al Lewis with the music of Wilbur Hatch. Ladies... Now, with new improved Vell, V-E-L, you can save 90% of dishwashing work. Just soak dishes in Vell suds a while. Dishes and glassware will soak sparkling clean. No washing, no wiping, no scouring with Vell. Only the stickiest dishes need just the touch of a cloth. Rinse, and they'll gleam without wiping. Soak pots and pans in Vell suds, too. And most of them will get shiny clean without scouring. What's more, Vell is extra mild to hands. So get new Vell. 
Save 90% of dishwashing work. If you like mysteries that are as full of chuckles as chills, be sure to hear Mr. and Mrs. North every Tuesday over this same network. Don't miss the exciting and laughable adventures of these amateur detectives. And be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This program was transcribed. Stay tuned now for Jack Benny. This is CBS, where our Miss Brooks holds her classes every Sunday, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, from February 4th, 1951. Also in the cast, Jane Morgan, Richard Crenna, Gail Gordon, Jeff Chandler, Gloria McMillan, and Joseph Kearns, as heard over CBS. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the radio stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, Connie Brooks gets four new dresses from Madame Amelia's shop. Here's Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden from April 1st, 1951. Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay and Palmolive Shave Creams for a smoother, more comfortable way to shave bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks under the direction of Al Lewis. Well, her salary as a teacher covers all her basic expenses, but Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, has discovered that there are certain luxuries it won't pay for. Luxuries like clothing, for instance. However, last Monday, I dropped into Madame Amelia's dress shop to price some of the items she was featuring in a post-Easter sale. In no time at all, I discovered that if Madame Amelia would let me pay for it on time, I could easily afford the sales tax on her cheapest dress. <laughs> but thanks to a proposition Madame made to me, I did leave the store with four new dresses. At breakfast Friday morning, my landlady commented on one of them. Another day, another dress. It's a beauty, Connie. Thanks, Mrs. Davis. You've no idea what it's been like to sit opposite you during this past week. Every day a new dress that looks like the first breath of spring. Glad you like them, Mrs. <laughs> Davis. But I wish you'd cheer up a little. Your dress looks like the first breath of spring, and your face looks like the last gasp of winter. <laughs> What's the trouble, Connie? Well, you know the agreement I have with Madame Amelia, don't you? Why, yes. 
She said she'd give you a brand new suit free of charge if you'd introduce some of her clothes into Madison High School this week. I wasn't only supposed to introduce them, Mrs. Davis. There was also supposed to be an increase in business. Well, since you've been wearing the dresses, hasn't business increased? 25% at Dewberry's across the street. <laughs> That's ridiculous. The jump at Dewberry's is just a coincidence. You deserve the dress anyhow. Look at the work you've done. How many other teachers would want to wear a brand new dress to school every day? I don't know. How many teachers are there in the United States? <laughs> I haven't lived up to my part of the bargain. As a matter of fact, our agreement officially terminated last night. I was supposed to return the dresses then. But you're wearing one of them this morning. I just couldn't face my old blue jersey suit for at least one more day. Besides, I figured after all this time, somebody's bound to notice me. You mean no one's paid any attention to your new outfit so far? Well, I did get some encouragement yesterday. I'd been sitting opposite Mr. Boynton at lunch for three days in a row, and each day I had a new dress on. Yesterday, he finally noticed something different about me. What did he say? He said, Miss Brooks, you've got some eraser dust on your neck. <laughs> of course, a few of the female members of the faculty admired the dresses, but they're evidently too poor to do any buying. How about your principal, Connie? Did he comment on the transformation? Mr. Conklin hasn't commented on anything but his newest economy drive. Another one? But he just ordered a big cutback in school expenses last month. That came from the Board of Education. This is his own idea. And you ought to see him enforce it. Why, I broke a pointer the other day while he was in my classroom, and before it even hit the floor, he had snatched up the short piece and filed down the rough edge. <laughs> then what did he do with it? He gave it to a teacher with long arms. <laughs> oh, he's a beauty, all right. That's Walter Denton. Be right there, Walter. I've got to run, Mrs. Davis. Thanks for breakfast. You're welcome, dear. And don't look so discouraged about the deal with Madame Amelia. You've still got today to put it over. I'll try. Just remember this, Connie. Whether it's modeling or anything else, you only get out of something what you put into it. Believe me, Mrs. Davis, everything I've got I've put into this dress. <laughs> Walter, keep your eyes on the road. What in the world are you staring at, anyway? Just the most scintillating vision in the world. Huh? I wish I didn't have to drive at all. I wish I could just sit here and drink you in and all your intoxicating loveliness. Well, hand me a mirror. I'd like to get high, too. Honestly, Walter, this flattery is overwhelming. Oh, it's only your due, Miss Brooks. Gosh, I've always admired you personally, but the way you've looked this last week makes the way you used to look positively hag-like. I should have quit when I was ahead. The dress you've got on today's a knockout, Miss Brooks. What are those colors in it? They're chartreuse and cerise, Walter. They are? Of course, those are the fancy names. Actually, these colors are nothing but good old, down-to-earth, plain and simple, puce and magenta. <laughs> you've been dressing the last few days has had eyes popping all over the school. That's funny. I haven't heard a thing. <laughs> Are you kidding? Why, half the female members of the faculty look like Eddie Cantor. Of course, I'll admit it took everybody a few days to start noticing your new wardrobe, 
But I think I have the answer for that. Oh? What is it? Well, it's because everyone has seen you in that blue jersey suit of yours for such a long time. It got so that after a while, nobody ever looked below your face. <laughs> Don't you think that hits it right on the nose? It sure does. Got a Kleenex? <laughs> oh, I am glad that somebody's finally noticing these outfits. I wouldn't be human if I wasn't. Oh, don't you worry about that. You're human, all right. Thanks for the affidavit. <laughs> Harriet told me you got the outfits at Madame Amelia's. Uh-huh. I told my mother about them last night, and she said she must be a wonderful dressmaker. Oh, she is? Yeah, my mother said she wants to visit the place herself. But she was wondering when would be a good time. What is she doing yesterday? I mean, <laughs> any time all right, I guess. Oh, before I forget, Miss Brooks, uh, when I spoke to Harriet on the phone this morning, she said to tell you to please stop at her dad's office as soon as you get to school. Uh-oh. It's probably in connection with this new economy drive of his. I extravagantly requisitioned a new eraser last week. Isn't this drive a pain? He's even cutting down on our athletic equipment. Here we got a big track meet coming up, and he won't provide any high hurdles for the guys to practice on. All we got is the old low hurdles. Oh, that isn't an insurmountable problem, Walter. What do you mean? All you have to do is put up the low hurdles and let the boys run on their knees. <laughs> Is it, and is your business urgent? It's Miss Brooks, and it can wait indefinitely. Bye. Not so fast. Come in, Miss Brooks. Now then, I'll come right to the point. The reason I wanted to... Miss Brooks, isn't that another new dress you have on? Yes, sir. Really remarkable. Miss Brooks, may I ask you a question? Certainly, sir. Are you able to dress this way on your salary, or have you come into an inheritance? No, sir. No, sir, what? No, sir, Mr. Conklin. <laughs> I mean, I haven't come into an inheritance. But these new clothes, how do you pay for them? Well, you see, sir, You it's don't really... gamble, do you? <laughs> oh, no, sir. Well, I don't want to pry into your personal life. After all, you've worn that blue jersey job long enough. <laughs> Suffice it to say that in the past week you've given the rest of the faculty something to shoot at. The dresses can't be that bad. <laughs> On the contrary, they're very smart. But to get back to the reason for your being here, as you know, Miss Brooks, I am in the midst of a new economy drive here at Madison. Oh, I know, Mr. Conklin. Mr. Boynton and I discussed it thoroughly at lunch yesterday. Oh, then you're beginning to feel the pinch. Certainly not. All we ever do is talk. <laughs> Everyone's feeling the pinch. Well, believe me, it's a necessary measure in these parlous times. Mr. Stone, the head of the school board, is coming over to my home this afternoon for tea. Naturally, I'm interested in impressing him with the strides we've made at Madison. Naturally. And it has occurred to me that an excellent way to convince him of the wisdom of my economy policy is to show him what a teacher such as yourself can do on a limited budget. Me? Yes, Miss Brooks. If you'd come to our home this afternoon, my wife and I would be most pleased to see you. In one of your new dresses, that is. Well, that's very nice, Mr. Conklin, but oh, I... Oh, and since it's a bit late for her to pick up anything, uh, would you consider lending Mrs. Conklin one of your other new creations? Just for the day, of course. Well, Mr. Conklin, I it's like this. I don't want you this. to think that this is a command performance, Miss Brooks, but you will be there at four, won't you? 
Yes, sire. Sir. Excuse me. Principal's office. Who? Oh, she's in my office right now. It's for you, Miss Brooks. Be brief, please. Yes, sir. Hello? Who is this? Madam who? Oh, yes, I know last night was the last... Yes, but I just have them back today. But I... Very well. As quickly as possible. Goodbye. Well, if you'll excuse me, sir, I'd better be getting into class. Nothing wrong, is there? Wrong? Or what could be wrong? I just don't want to be late. You know how hungry my pupils are for learning. Starved is the word. (laughs) Well, you'll be at my house at four sharp, Miss Brooks. Is that correct? Mr. Conklin, I'll be there with bells on, if nothing else. Brush your teeth with Colgate. Colgate Dental Cream, it cleans your breath. What a toothpaste. What cleans your teeth? Colgate toothpaste. Cleans your breath. What a toothpaste. What cleans your teeth? Colgate Dental Cream cleans your breath while it cleans your teeth. And the Colgate way stops tooth decay best. Yes, the Colgate way is the most thoroughly proved and accepted home method of oral hygiene known today. Over two years' research showed brushing teeth right after eating with Colgate Dental Cream helps stop more decay for more people than ever before reported in dentifrice history. The Colgate way stopped tooth decay best. No other dentifrice, ammoniated or not, offers such conclusive proof. And you should know that Colgate's, while not mentioned by name, was the only toothpaste used in the research on tooth decay recently reported in Reader's Digest. So always follow the Colgate way to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and stop tooth decay best. Brush your teeth with Colgate's Colgate Dental Cream It cleans your breath What a toothpaste What it cleans your teeth And the Colgate way stops tooth decay best Well, by lunchtime, I had almost decided to confess to Mr. Conklin that I didn't really own any of the Madame Amelia dresses But before making that decision, I thought I'd discuss it with Mr. Boynton When I arrived at the school cafeteria, I purchased my lunch and had just sat down to a table when who should come walking by but Mr. Boynton himself. Naturally, he stopped immediately. (laughs) Sorry, Miss Brooks, I I didn't see your foot there in the aisle. (laughs) Oh, forgive me, Mr. Boynton. I didn't mean to trip you so hard. (laughs) I hope your lunch isn't all wasted. No, Miss Brooks. Luckily, my salad landed right side up. My hamburger landed on my salad. (laughs) Here's a napkin. You landed on your (laughs) jello. Thanks. Let me help you pick up your dishes. Gosh, that was a strawberry jello I sat in. Does it look terribly messy, Miss Brooks? Mr. Boynton. In fact, it's rather attractive. I bet when you walk down the school steps, you'll look just like a sunset. (laughs) But, Mr. Boynton, there's something I'd like to ask you. Oh, oh, before you do, Miss Brooks, I'd like to pop a question to you first. Of course, it it might be considered quite personal, but with your permission, I'll pop it anyway. If you're going to pop the question, I've been waiting for you to pop. Pop away, Pop. (laughs) 
Miss Brooks, that dress you've got on, isn't that another new one? Why, Mr. Boynton, you've been paying attention after all. Do you like it? Oh, very much. It's a very interesting shade. Uh, yellow, isn't it? Just where the butter landed when you dropped your tray. <laughs> it's mostly chartreuse, Mr. Boynton. Well, it's very exciting. Almost identical in shade to the skin of a young frog. <laughs> third or fourth lovely new dress you've put on this week. How do you do it, Miss Brooks? I just drop them over my head and pull up the zipper. <laughs> of course, I, I was very fond of your blue jersey suit, too. It held a sort of sentimental attraction for me. You know, that's the suit you were wearing when we met. Yes, four years ago. Well, I, I must admit, I wasn't too crazy about it at first, but, well, it, it really grew on me. Me too. <laughs> I had quite a time chiseling it off last Monday. But about those new dresses, Mr. Boynton, Miss I'd like Brooks, to... the fact that you were able to acquire such garments on a teacher's salary is extremely commendable. Well, thank you, Mr. Boynton, but... Now, I've always admired a woman who can budget herself properly. A woman who can do that could be a real asset to a man. She could? Well, a man could hunt for such a woman for, for years and years. Four of them, to be exact. With a clever and thrifty companion, there's no telling how far a man could go. Go, go! <laughs> I can continue, Mr. Boynton. Well, to, to sum up my feelings in the matter, I, I can only say that this type of woman is downright marriage timber. Timber! <laughs> now, I, I'm serious, Miss Brooks. Seeing you in these new outfits has, has opened my eyes and... There's something I'd like to say to you. Pardon me, Miss Brooks, but I've got to talk to you for a minute. Oh, for heaven's sakes, Walter, what is it? I'm not interrupting anything, am I? Just my future. What can I do for you? Well, there's a delivery truck outside for Madame Amelia's dress shop. The driver says you've got four dresses to send back. To send back? Yes, it's just a temporary measure, Mr. Boynton. You mean the dresses are all going to be altered, Miss Brooks? No, Walter, like I said before, just my future. <laughs> Miss Brooks, heading for Daddy's office? Yes, I am, Harriet. I just left him. I've never seen Daddy in such excellent humor, Miss Brooks. He's sure that your new gowns will make a big impression on Mr. Stone this afternoon. In fact, he said that your little visit this morning was like a tonic to him. Wait till he hears the Mickey I've got for him now. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid I won't be able to come to tea this afternoon. Won't be able to come? But why not, Miss Brooks? And where's the gorgeous Madame Amelia dress you had on this morning? In a delivery truck on Main Street. But I don't understand. You're wearing your old blue jersey again. Where did you get that? Out of a bundle I had ready for the Salvation Army. <laughs> it's a long and gruesome story, Harriet, but I had to send the dresses back. You see, I never really owned them. I was just modeling them for Madame Amelia. If business increased, she said she would give me a free one, but it didn't, so she didn't, and I'm back where I started last week. Shall we dance? <laughs> well, don't look so desperate, Miss Brooks. All isn't lost. Then where is it? You're going to love me for this. I was so captivated by those new gowns of yours that during your English class, I secretly sketched two of them. Then I took the patterns to home economics class, and we've spent the past couple of days making exact copies. What? I know you promised to lend one to Mother, so it'll work out just perfectly. Of course, we made them out of airsats material, but beggars can't be choosers. And after all, the main thing is not to disappoint Daddy. 
But don't you think your father and Mr. Stone will notice the difference? Of course not, Miss Brooks. When it comes to dresses, women have been pulling the wool over men's eyes for years. Well, Miss Brooks, what do you think of my idea? To tell the truth, Harriet, it's not bad. <laughs> I'm glad we got home ahead of Daddy, Miss Brooks. It gave me a chance to reinforce some of the weak places in this dress. Now, stand still while I pin this basting in back. Where are the pins I ask you to hold? I've got them in my mouth, Harriet. Help yourself. Your mouth? Why, that's no place to put pins. Ouch! Neither is that. <laughs> Sorry. We've got to hurry, though. I heard Daddy and Mr. Stone go into the living room about five minutes ago. I must admit you copied the style of Madame Amelia's dress perfectly, Harriet. But tell me, what kind of material did you use? Well, we started with rayon, and when we ran out, we used muslin. Some of it feels like cheesecloth to me. <laughs> oh, it's loaded with cheesecloth. But don't worry, Miss Brooks. The way I've got it basted, no one can possibly tell the difference. I'll bet your mother will tell the difference when she puts hers on. Well, frankly, Miss Brooks, I haven't had a chance to tell her it's a copy. I just left it on her bed when she was getting the tea ready and then rushed back here to you. What? You mean to tell me your mother doesn't know there's nothing between her and a life of shame but some cheesecloth and a fervent prayer? <laughs> Gee, I never thought of it that way. If mother bends over or sits down too quickly, we're sunk. We're sunk? Your mother won't be in such good shape either. <laughs> You both got to be very careful. I tell you what I'll do, Miss Brooks. If I see anything beginning to go, I'll give you a verbal signal. A verbal signal? Yes. Since we'll be having tea, I'll just say something like sugar and cream, Miss Brooks, or pass the lemon. Now, come on. Everybody's waiting for your personal appearance. With the wrong kind of a break, this can be the most personal appearance I've ever made. <laughs> But mind not to reason why. Lead on, Harriet. Right in here, Miss Brooks. Well, here we are, Daddy. So you are. You know my daughter Harriet, Mr. Stone. Certainly. Hello, Harriet. How do you do, sir? And Miss Brooks. Well, that is an attractive dress you have on. Thank you, Mr. Stone. I've been telling Mr. Stone about the wardrobe you've acquired recently, Miss Brooks. It certainly gives impetus to an economy drive when a teacher can do what she's done, eh, Mr. Stone? Very impressive, Conklin. And thanks to the way I manage my personal budget, Mrs. Conklin has been able to enhance her wardrobe recently. She's probably jumping into her new duds right now. I don't advise it. Oh, I see she's left the tea right here on this table. May I act as temporary hostess? Uh, please do. I'd love some tea, Miss Brooks. Uh, sugar and cream, pl please. So soon? <laughs> I'll pour it for you, Miss Brooks. You stand still. Well, hello, everyone. Hello, Mrs. Conklin. Happy to see you again. Say, that's a stunning dress you have on. Yes, you look positively ravishing, my dear. Stand just as you are. Don't move a muscle. Yes, hold it for about 45 minutes. <laughs> I don't believe I've ever seen you looking lovelier, Martha. You and that gown are a match that was made in heaven. Oh, now, Osgood. Honestly, Mr. Stone, sometimes when Osgood pays me a compliment, he gets so extravagant with his praise, I could just split. <laughs> You're holding the wrong thought, Mrs. Conklin. <laughs> and may I pour you some tea? Oh, thank you, dear, but I can pour it myself. Bending over is good for me. Oh, but you mustn't bend, Mother. Here, I'll get you a cup. Oh, I'd rather do it myself, Harriet. 
After all, the more one bends over, the more one takes off around one's middle. <laughs> but, Mrs. Conklin, one can take too much of one's middle. After all, it's nice to have something between one's bottom and one's top. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, but uh, <laughs> why are we standing? Let's sit down, shall we? Very well. Oh, wait. Hmm? It's not healthy to sit down after a heavy meal. Heavy meal? <laughs> but none of us has had anything to eat since lunchtime. I know, but why take chances? <laughs> <laughs> you and your quips, Miss Brooks. <clears throat> now, let's all be seated. Just a moment. What is it now? I propose a standing toast to our host and hostess. Hear, hear! A toast to our host and hostess. <laughs> now can we sit down? Uh, would anyone like to hear some music? Oh, that's a great idea, Harriet. Get out your phonograph record of John Philip Sousa playing the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> now stop the horseplay, you two. Sit down, Mr. Stone. Now, just where were we in our discussion, sir? Mm, you were pointing out to me, Osgood, what a teacher could do on her present salary if she really tried. Ah, uh, exactly, exactly. And not only a teacher, but anyone who lives on a budget. Take that dress my wife is wearing. Oh, now, let's not talk about me anymore, Osgood. Well, why not, my dear? Blushing becomes you. Oh, well, I'm just a little warm. I think I'll open a window in here. It's not that warm in here. Perhaps not, but I thought I'd like to let in a little more air. Uh, now, please, Martha, just sit down. Very well. What was that? That was Mrs. Conklin letting some more air in. <laughs> Sounded like something ripping. Is that your dress, Mrs. Conklin? Oh, certainly not. It's still the same lovely three-piece suit it's always been. <laughs> Three-piece suit? Martha, stand up a minute. Yes, Osgood. What did I tell you? It's the same lovely four-piece suit. It's all. With two pair of skirts. Gracious, this dress is coming apart at the seams. But I, I don't understand. That... Neither do I, but I'd better get into my bedroom and change. Excuse me, please. Miss Brooks, perhaps you can explain what's going on here. Uh, not now, Mr. Conklin. I'd better go in and help Mrs. Conklin change. I'm sure she can manage by herself. Now sit down, Miss Brooks. Yes, sir. Sugar and cream, Miss Brooks. Get your own sugar and cream, Harriet. <laughs> Miss Brooks, sit down. <laughs> what's going on here? Not much, Mr. Stone, but an awful lot is coming off. <laughs> I'd better pour myself a cup of tea. Oh, the lemon, Miss Brooks. Where's the lemon? It went that way. <laughs> Uncle, I think I'm beginning to see what this is all about. I beg your pardon? First, you give me all this talk about retrenching. Then you demonstrate that what a teacher can buy on her salary these days is actually nothing but junk. I've got to give you credit, Conklin. Your idea is brilliant. It is? <laughs> You've given me a graphic display that too much economy can't possibly work in these days of rising prices. Osgood Conklin, you're really clever. Oh, come now. <laughs> Don't deserve all the credit. After all, 
My wife and Miss Brooks were of considerable assistance, you know. Yes, indeed. You, you and Martha would make a fine pair of actresses, Miss Brooks. Well, thank you, Mr. Conklin. I know one theater in town that would love to have us. <laughs> Which one is that, Miss Brooks? The Star and Garter Burlesque. <laughs> Brooks returns in just a moment. Now, the case of the close scrape featuring Arthur Griffin, mail carrier. Here's what Mr. Griffin told us. Listen. Here's exactly what happened. Shaving was just one close scrape after another for me, and then I discovered palm olive lather shave cream and a new, different way to shave. Palm olive's oceans of rich, thick lather ended my worries about scrapes, burns, and nicks. Why, even in cold or hard water, that palm olive lather way is super smooth, super comfortable. Take Arthur Griffin's advice, men. The new palm olive lather way gets beards really soft, and it provides a protective film that actually floats your razor's cutting edge. You get a clean, close shave every time without worry about scraping or nicking, even in cold or hard water. Arthur Griffin and 1,200 other men tested palm olive lather cream following package directions, and three out of four reported smoother, more comfortable shaves the palm olive shave cream way. No matter how they shaved before, better get palm olive lather shave cream. Remember, even in cold or hard water, the palm olive lather way means smoother, more comfortable shaves. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, there wasn't much sense in sitting around in my drafty dress, so I said goodbye and backed out of the Conklin's. When I arrived home, Mrs. Davis was most helpful and had just finished sewing me up when the phone rang. Hello? Oh, hello, Miss Brooks. This is Mr. Boynton. I've been thinking of how lovely you looked in your new dress today, and I wondered if you'd like to take a little walk this evening. Oh, you, you took me by surprise, Mr. Boynton. I'm afraid I dropped the receiver. Hold on a moment. I'll pick it up. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Boynton, but I can't see you tonight. But why not? It's a beautiful night. The moon is out. The stars are out. If this wasn't a party line, would I give you an answer? <laughs> this is Burns Smith. Reminding you to tune in next week to another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Pomelo Shave Cream for a smoother, more comfortable way to shave and Colgate Dental Creams to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written by Al Lewis and Arthur Allsberg with the music of Wilbur Hatch. Listen to this. With Marvellous Vell, V-E-L, you can save 90% of dishwashing work. A quick soak in Vell suds gets dishes and glassware shiny clean. Even if a bit of food should cling, a touch with a dishcloth gets rid of it fast. Yes, Vell's activated suds lift off and carry away food and grease. So all dishes need is a quick rinse, and they dry sparkling without washing or wiping. All pots and pans need is a soaking with Vell suds. Then you can wash them shiny clean without hard scouring. What's more, Vell is a miracle of mildness. So get new Vell. Save 90% of dishwashing work. If you like mysteries that are as full of chuckles as chills, be sure to hear Mr. and Mrs. North every Tuesday over this same network. And be with us again next week at this same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. Stay tuned now for Jack Benny. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, from April 1st, 1951. Also in the cast, Jeff Chandler, Jane Morgan, Richard Crenna, Gail Gordon, and Gloria McMillan, as heard over CBS. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 56 of the Classic Radio Theater after this break. Next time on episode 56 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two detective episodes of Philo Vance, starring Jackson Beck, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in to our next show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>